0: Welcome to the Profitable Farmer podcast, where we share stories and tips to help you run a better farming business and create your very own freedom farm. If you're looking to work smarter and not harder in your farm business, welcome, you're in the right place. G'day and welcome once again to Profitable Farmer. I hope you're well. In this podcast, I'm excited as ever. In last session, I got to catch up with Robo, um, and we explored just the importance of investing in yourself. Um, I feel this webinar, or this podcast, sorry, complements that perfectly, um, and I'm delighted to welcome Tracy Seacom, FOA Director and Head Coach, back to Profitable Farmer. Tracy, thank you for joining us.
1: Thanks, Jeremy. Great to be here as always. How are you? I'm very well. How
0: are you? Really well. Thank you. Um, as many of you, or most of you, will know, Tracy is just an amazing human and an incredible head coach to our um, team and our community um, with just amazing strengths in mindset, um, resilience, well being, and living your best life. We're really excited at Farm Owners Academy to announce that Tracy has this year sort of expanded her role with us to be the director of well-being and i sort of think about our kids at school and um whether it be primary school or secondary school private or public so many schools are bringing in this concept of positive psychology and bringing in someone to lead well-being within their communities and it's just so exciting tracy for you to take on that role with us and for us to make sure that our team and our community of members and our alumni and our broader community um, are starting to think about this topic um, with your direction and starting to really make that next step in looking after themselves.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, obviously, because I'm immersed in it, I believe that it's the most important thing. I think that you have to have the wellbeing piece Working for you before you can even start to put your mind to what it takes to improve your business. But I remember being the person owning my own business who threw myself into business and sacrificed my well-being for the business, and so learned through experience that if you look after your well-being, that will in turn cause you to be inspired to take the action in your business that will make your business thrive. But I think a lot of people have been conditioned to believe and learnt. That you really need to work hard and keep rolling up your sleeves and taking the business action rather than looking after yourself?
0: Hmm. What does it actually mean? For for most of us, I think we're starting to become aware of the importance of looking after ourselves, but to some degree it's a new concept, as you say, where you know the old mindset probably was just the hardest worker wins um, and put yourself last and put everyone and everything else first. What does well-being actually mean? Um, for an individual farmer or within a farming family context?
1: Yeah, that's such a great question. And I think it's important to start with what it doesn't mean because I look at my mum and my dad and the generations before them and me before and being well meant not being sick. So Mm -hmm. that meant that as long as we weren't falling apart, we would just keep going so we were oblivious to the very very early signs of something to come and interestingly when i went to university to become a physiotherapist As soon as i started learning what our role was i was like oh this is backwards we wait till someone's broken to come to us and then our job is to fix them and so i got really excited at the age of 18 to prevent injuries rather than trying to fix them once that happened which is why i ended up with a business that did just that for 20 years But you can definitely apply this to our overall wellbeing. And wellbeing includes your physical health, but it also includes your mental health. And what I mean by that, because a lot of people have a stigma around mental health and they think either you're well or you have a mental health problem as if it's developed directly to something with a label, something that means you need treatment. But I think that just like the physical injury, there are all these signs that you can pick up way before it becomes something like that, if you know how to. And so well-being for me is being aware of how you feel emotionally and how you feel emotionally is based on what you think most often. So these are our habits that we've picked up. So you know, some people might think, um, oh, it's gonna be a bad year. Um, oh my goodness, you know, we've had this bad weather. And then you go down the track of what if, what if, what if I'm a failure, I might go broke, you know, this kind of self-talk, this kind of thought. If you say anything out loud, you have been thinking it for a long time. So it's it's way past it once you actually speak it. And so well-being for me is learning the skills of awareness. Of how you're feeling emotion, emotionally, which means that you have to even know what that is. A lot of the men that I work with in Soul Please, are the men, when I ask them, how do you feel, they tell me what they did. So it is a new way of thinking. And then you can check in to see what you're thinking that's causing that emotion. And then you can do something about it. And there are so many different tools that you can use to be able to increase that awareness and look after yourself so that you are physically, mentally and emotionally well.
0: Tracy, what can happen if over time we haven't been conscious of our thoughts and our feelings? Um, for a lot of people this is a new construct where we're either good or we're not. <laughs> um, how? What can happen if those thoughts and feelings that we might have picked up from the yesteryear um, are left unchecked for a long period of time?
1: Well, there's two different ways that it'll show up. The first one is in your mood. And sometimes you might not be aware of that, but your family members will be. So they might notice that you're more irritable, um, you're easily triggered, it takes you longer to get over something Um, You might be sleepless. So it's difficult to get to sleep because you're just overthinking. So you're going over things that you're worried about in your mind, or you wake up three o'clock in the morning. So there's a natural release of cortisol in our body at three o'clock in the morning, but a normal amount won't wake us up. And it might mean that we go into a lighter area of sleep, but we'll stay asleep if we're very stressed and overthinking, we'll be wide awake at three o'clock in the morning and can't go back to sleep. So these are some of the symptoms that you might recognize in yourself or in a loved one. And then the other way that it will show up for you is things will go wrong. So you might not even realize that this cortisol swimming around in your body because of the stress that you're under is causing you to make poor decisions. And then that shows up in things going wrong. So if you feel like you've got a run of this breaking down and that not working out and this employee leaving and all of those things, you might think that that's all coincidence and luck and bad luck, Um, but ultimately it can come back to this wellness. And if you're not well, quite often things start to go wrong as well.
0: Gracie, having worked with hundreds of farmers over the years that you've been part of FOA, what's your comment on how much our farming men and women are taking on. I I feel like farming is a really complex project. Um, There's lots of um, natural, economic, HR and other components to it. Um, But then there's so many layers to what else over and above that that our farming families take on. What's your comment on that and perhaps the stresses that can come from just taking on so much?
1: It's actually been such a benefit that I am not a farmer. Um, I must announce, though, that I found out about my farming history just recently. So I was visiting with my great auntie, who's 93, and she was explaining to me that my grandfather's Uh, father had a farm and his big brother got the farm. So there you go. I am from a farming background. But not growing up on a farm, it was really great for me to be able to observe some of the extra demands on farmers that perhaps they're not aware of because it's normal for them. So what I am aware of is running my own business from home. So I have done that for years, for as long as I can remember. So there are extra demands when you run a business from home because you never leave it. And so you live in your business, which means it's very difficult to switch off mentally um, from the business. And what I haven't experienced, I have been in business with my brother, but I didn't live with him at the time, is being in business with your partner which is very common as well. And so then you're going to continue to talk about business over the kitchen table rather than delineating between work time, business time and family time. And that's actually really important for our brain. So we need to feel well. We need to have this balance of work and play. And what I've discovered is it doesn't matter how much you love your work because I adore my work. It's not enough to allow you to do it all the time. You need the variety and you need to be able to switch off from something that's so intentional and be able to relax. And so it's really important that we separate our home life from our work life. But the extra things that I don't have experience with is I live in a place that is convenient. So my corner store is a seven minute walk. And I'm working with people who live in remote areas. And if their child won't get on the bus, for example, because they're experiencing anxiety, then the drive is an hour and a half, three hours return to take them to school. So there's all of these added pressures that farming families have because of the circumstances that they have as as being on farms.
0: Absolutely. And I think this is such an important topic at this time. Um, what I, and I'm sure you do as well, Tracy, observe is that 2021 was a really um, big year for a lot of people with an extended harvest and a delayed shearing. And then we rolled straight into 2022, which we had a lot of rain and a lot of activity early in 2022. And a lot of people didn't get a break then. We've had floods, we've had a really extended harvest, we've had delayed shearing and haymaking. And so there are people still down in Victoria just finishing harvest now. And this new season, the 2023 season requires us to start preparing paddocks yesterday. So um, there are a lot of people out there that I think have not had a break, not had the chance to re-energise, not had the chance to dust themselves off from real fatigue on the back of 2022 and all of a sudden 2023 is right in their face and they're having to do what they need to do to set up for this season. Um, I feel like this is quite an acute time, perhaps almost unlike any other, where that fatigue is very real for a lot of people um, and that complexity of a delayed finish to last season um, is challenging for a lot of people. If people haven't been able to claim that holiday or that break that they would normally have, what can they do to look after themselves as they start already getting busy for the new season?
1: So before I answer that question, I want to share a couple of stories to help give somebody the why, because somebody will listen to this who is going through exactly what you're talking about, and they will say, either I don't have time to listen to this, or they will listen to this while they're working and saying, well, that's all well and good, but I don't have time for that. So my first story is about Sam, who's one of our members, Platinum Mastermind member, but he's also going through the Soul Pleaser for Men program. When he first entered the Soul Pleaser program, he was a workaholic. He was unable to commit to any family events. You know, his wife would complain because she'd want him to come to the school and he never knew whether he could or not. And at the last minute, he'd say, I can't come or just didn't turn up because he didn't realise that he had an addiction Working, and it came from an underlying need to prove his worth, which he was not aware of at the time. So now, the first change in him was that he made our Q and As every two weeks a priority. So that was huge for him. So they happen at 9 a.m. New South Wales time on a Wednesday. So he was sitting in front of his Zoom every two weeks for that QA because he felt so much better. After one of those that he realised that that was a priority for him. The next thing that he developed was a habit of going to the gym. And so that became his new priority. And luckily for him, he had developed these priorities when the business was going well. But he was significantly impacted by flooding. And for one week, he let those things slip. And he realised immediately that he was not going to be able to cope if he didn't go back to those habits. So he started coming back to the QA, going back to the gym, and he has come out of, you know, significant damage to the farm, significant changes to his business, potentially, you know, one of the most difficult things that he's been through ever, and he is feeling really good, and he's employed a fantastic operations manager to come on board, which he never would have done a year ago. The other story is somebody who has ended up needing medical help through being burnt out, and he was in a situation where one of his employees became unavailable in a very, very busy, hectic time, so he took on his role and kept doing his own. So he was effectively doing two persons' role. And he's one person, which farmers don't blink an eyelid. Most people would. (laughs) And he has ended up in hospital as a result of that. His brain literally had a meltdown. And what he was saying to me on the phone is he was actually beating himself up, which was part of what's gone wrong. But he was saying, if only I called you in January, if only I called you earlier. And it's just important to learn from other people because Otherwise, we will go through the same thing. We will learn the lesson the hard way. And so if you're thinking to yourself, it doesn't matter, Getting rolling up my sleeves and getting out there and doing what needs to be done is my priority. I want you to think about this. If an ambulance had to rock up and drag you out, then what? Who's going to do it? And sometimes you have to work reverse from that. You know, if you were diagnosed with something physically and you just you know, let's say broken limbs, broke both your legs, there'd be nothing you could do about it. Off you'd go. You've got to take this well being as seriously as that because it is. And so, if you have a lot to do, the important thing is to realize what I said at the beginning is that you're going to make much better decisions if you're feeling good. And so, you need to be able to think positive things, feel positive emotions and your body needs to have you know the right nutrition and the right amount of movement. And a lot of people will tell me a lot of farmers tell me I don't need to formally exercise because work is physical. And so the difference between work and formally exercising is the thoughts that you're having when you do it. So if you're completely relaxed and whistling and joyful when you're working, then that physical activity will be as effective as you going for a run or lifting some weights or whatever it may be. But if you are, you know, yelling at the sheep or yelling at the farm dog or worried about what's going to happen next, you know, stressed because you're in that environment, then that physical exercise is not effective. So it really is the combination of finding what feels good. So don't exercise because... You think you should, but you worry the whole time you're exercising. Find a movement that feels good for you. So there are so many different ways we can can feel better. You can start to look at your diet. So a lot of people who are stressed won't eat for a while because they're so busy, and then they are so starving that they reach for the quick carbohydrate fix so that they can feel better. And often that's something that doesn't take a lot of preparation. And so this is just adding fuel to the cortisol fire. So if you want to reverse that, it's just all the obvious things. The most wholesome, fresh food, which often you can have, you might be growing it yourself, um, you need to be prepared for that. If you or somebody else can have that pre-prepared to set yourself up to win so it's easy to grab fruit and vegetables and, and lean protein to eat when you're feeling like that. Um, The other thing is movement, so finding movement that works for you. And the other thing is mindfulness. So a lot of people are put off by the word meditation, and for somebody that has no experience with it, I would just throw that word out the window because all it will do is make you sit there, think, and go, I'm really shit at this, I can't do this. Um, Meditation is really a quietening of the mind, and there are lots of different ways that we can calm the mind. and so it's just knowing what that is for you. So you might be out on the farm doing some work and you stop and reflect and, you know, you look out at nature and you feel that gratitude for how lucky you are to live where you live and enjoy that. I think most of the people that we work with are on farms because they love nature and they connect to that. I certainly do. I think that it's actually our true essence to connect with nature. Um, so just becoming present And part of the way you can do this as well is by shifting your thinking before you move into a different segment for the day. So sometimes what we can do is come home for lunch, but our head is still out at work. And so if you can make a conscious choice as you open the door to the house to take a deep breath, let the work breath out and go, right now I'm a husband or now I'm a dad or whatever it is that you're walking into so that you can really embrace that and be present in that part of your life, you know, listen to what your children are saying or your partner is saying um, and really engage. And just that little break from thinking about work can be really important in terms of that cortisol cycle to have a break and settle.
0: There's some really some um, important constructs that you've touched on, um, Tracy, that I'd like to explore a little bit further. The first one, switching off, um, you mentioned that we have beautiful environments that so many of us work in, but often when we look out over our landscape, what we see is, you know, the sick sheep under that tree or that fence line needing repair, or gosh, I've forgotten to check the water on that trough on that back hill. um, It is hard, even when we're sitting on our own verandas, switching off, I think, to disconnect from that business that we live in. What are some things that people can do to be better at switching off without necessarily even leaving their farm?
1: So it's interesting, the word switch off, because it gives you the impression that you're able to flip a switch and turn off your thoughts. And that's really difficult, particularly if you've built up some momentum. And when you're worried, that can be very strong. Like you can get in a current of worry, where you're continually rehashing mistakes that you or somebody else has made, or predicting worst case scenario in the future. But the first thing is to notice that they they are happening and become aware of that and that it's important to not keep going down that track. You're not going to solve the problem while you stay there. And you can't think two things at once. And so rather than stopping thought altogether, you can think about something else. And sometimes you need to go so far from the topic so that it can feel good. So some people are able to reframe what they're thinking about and think in, think about it in a more positive way, but it depends how long it's been happening and how strongly you're feeling about it. So the person who ended up hospitalised um, was so far down the track that I actually got him to start watching short snippets of his favourite comedian. So completely unrelated to the job at hand. Um, because even removing him from his environment did not stop him worrying about the farm. He was worrying about it even more because he felt guilty for other people having to look after it. So if we're able to completely switch off, it's very much like distracting the toddler. You know, when a toddler's having a tantrum, you actually get them to look at something else and bang, they're forgotten about why they were throwing a tantrum. And we can do that ourselves as well. It can feel irresponsible because we've been really conditioned that when there are problems, we need to really focus on that problem until it's solved. But while you're not feeling good, you're unlikely to solve the problem. So it's key for you to just do that for as long as it takes to where you feel better. And then you can come back to it. The other tool, which is so powerful and so simple, but so many people forget to use it is your breath. So what happens to our physiology when we have started to overthink is as our um, thinking gets faster, our breath becomes more shallow. So the heart rate goes up and the breathing is faster and it's in our chest because it's, although we're going to have a fight or run away and we're not going to do either of those things. And what will calm us and slow down our thoughts is slowing down our breath. So even if you could slow down those thoughts, when they're slower, there's a chance of you starting to feel better. So fast thinking will make you very tense, which will just attract more of those negative thoughts and slower thinking will make you feel better. So a good technique is to breathe in through the nose, if you can, and breathe out through the nose. That will really calm the central nervous system ideally if you can count in for three and out for four or five so it's actually a slower breath out and that slow breath out you'll find that your body starts to relax and you might find that you only need to do four or five of those breaths and you start to feel better and that's something you can do anywhere at any time.
0: It's so true, Tracy. Our thoughts, we have, we have so many of them. Our minds can be so incredibly active, especially when we're in our families and in our businesses. They're certainly my go-to. One is just to breathe exactly as you've described. But so that I can distract myself away from the busyness of my thoughts and any worry, I lean on gratitude. And you've mentioned this. I just stop and give myself the task of what are 20 things that I'm deeply grateful for? Um. You know we can forget about just how fortunate we are as farmers and australians and you know we've got so much to be thankful for like eyesight ten fingers two arms that i can walk unaided that i've got four healthy children um that we have that abundance of being able to afford food and housing and we've just got we've all got so much to be grateful for um my understanding of the power of gratitude is that by focusing calmly on that that it can change our physiology, it can change our energy, it can change our vibration. Would you mind speaking to that and speaking about when we're in worry and stress and busyness what what is happening for us metaphysically and if we do give ourselves time to to stop and become calm and breathe well and maybe focus on things like gratitude, what that can do for us in terms of changing our energy and our vibration?
1: Yeah, so what happens is all of the blood that we need to use for our brain and for our heart goes into the muscles ready to fight or run. And so it's that's why we can feel really tense, like you can actually feel very, very achy in your muscles after you've been stressed for a while. And so it's nowhere where we need it for what we're actually doing and so if we continually do that you can see why we start to get aches and pains and inflammation because we just flood the blood supply where it isn't needed and we don't end up using it and so that also can strain the heart and strain the brain so there's quite a few links between heart disease and you know outsiners and things like that to stress because we're we're just using our physiology in a way that it wasn't meant to be used. So knowing all of that is all well and good, but when you're in the loop of it and it's, I remember overthinking and in the end, it was the thing I wanted to stop the most when I was at my worst. And it feels like you can't, it just feels like you can't switch it off. And it is what leads people to taking drastic action. So I just wanna be very acutely aware of the people who might listen to this, who experience this. If you do have overthinking that you feel like you cannot switch off, please seek medical advice. It's very important that you do get that. Jumping to gratitude for some people, they feel too low and gratitude feels difficult. It doesn't work to say, I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful to live here when you really aren't feeling it. In fact, it can just feel irritating. Sometimes you need to go a little bit bigger picture because if you're acutely focused on the what ifs of what's going on with your business right now, people can very quickly jump to shame. Like, what if I go broke? You know, we can really exaggerate and catastrophize. And so if you can go bigger picture, particularly if you have some history, you know, in farming, you can reflect over a 20-year pattern. Um, One of our clients that I was talking to was talking about cattle prices and saying, you know, he was very cool about it because he's like, it's just like property prices go up and down, stock markets go up and down. You know, there are just these cycles and these patterns that we all experience through all different types of economy and there is a way to be smart about it and I just study it and I know what to do during this time. And so it's just important to be able to think like that. And if you don't know all the answers, and you're not experienced, then at least calm yourself down by saying, I'm going to find the people that can help me with this who have been through this, you know, before, because there always is someone that's been through it before.
0: In our last podcast, with Robbo, Tracy, we just talked about the importance of being really conscious about who you surround yourself in and seeking out those mentors in community that can help you find clarity when in these tough circumstances or situations It's just so important. Um, building on this letting go. So if people have just come out of a really stressful and very fatiguing year, um that has had a lot of challenges, be it flood or um, so many things, but mainly flood, I think, in this last 12 months. What can people do to let go of that so that they're bringing a new and fresh energy to the new season?
1: Yes, I was explaining this before um, this week to the coaches when I was training them about how to stop thinking about their clients between coaching calls. And I was lucky being a physiotherapist because there was a process to seeing each person. You needed to prepare before you saw the person and then you would needed to have closure after you'd seen the person so that you were ready for the next person. Otherwise, you'd just be dragging the baggage of every client onto every client and it's similar with coaching. But I think it applies with any business. So if you've just been through Harvest, for example, hopefully you spent time preparing before Harvest Then there is a perfect time after harvest before you jump to the next thing, which is so tempting to do, is to reflect on harvest and make some decisions about what you're going to do differently next time so that you create this closure and it's like that's done. I don't need to think about that anymore. Now I'm ready for the preparation of the next step. And it can be so tempting to just jump from one to the other and say, we're running out of time. We have to just get out there. But as you know, smart business owners, it's really important that we prioritize the time to close off one activity and then prepare for the next one.
0: Tracy, we've talked about diet, the importance of movement mindfulness um and just looking after calmness and energy. Um, we've talked about letting go of last season. What else um, is important from a well-being context at this time of year for people? One thing that comes to mind for me is socializing and the importance of actually getting out and finding a friendship group. Um, and getting off farm and connecting in a different way with a different group of people who you love and trust. Are there other constructs that sort of build out the well the wellbeing puzzle that we can call on at this time?
1: Yeah, I think that if you look at a child, all a child wants is fun. And so that's why sometimes they find it very annoying when we make them go to school, unless they're going to have fun at school. And so it's really important to remember that that is an inherent part of who we are. So we all need fun in our lives, and it's important if you've become too serious to introduce fun back into your life. And as you know, Jeremy, fun is my word for this year. I've chosen fun for 2023 and Damien and I have started dance classes and we are having so much fun doing that. And so I think we think I don't have time for that. It's not important. Why will I do that? But you will feel so much better if you do something that's fun. And whatever is fun for you, some of you may have forgotten because you have dropped all your hobbies and you just work all the time. And I would really encourage you to start to think about what you enjoy and do it just for the fun of it and the joy of it.
0: Thanks for that example, Tracy. I feel like personally 12 months ago or 14 months ago, I had relative balance and my diet and movement and and mindfulness, socialising, fun, activities, um, family was all in check. And then about probably, yeah, 14 months ago, we took our farm back on having had it leased out. And we knew that as a startup farm business that we were going to have to really lean in in that first 12 months. And Jane and I made a bit of a conscious decision that I'd probably see less of the school activities and less of friends. And and that was required to sort of get our team and the basis for our farm set up. I completely underestimated what it meant. Um, And so for 12 months, there wasn't much socializing. Um, I let go of some of these practices. Um, and I hit a wall in about October. Um, it coincided with me choosing to take an extended break from FOA just to enjoy time with family. But when I stopped, I hit a bit of a wall and realized that those disciplines and those practices that I had had in play for taking on more than perhaps I should have, um, I hit a wall. And so I guess I have recently had firsthand experience with what it is to commit to what it is that we commit to and what can happen when we take on too much and let go of some of these practices. Um, It's interesting, isn't it, that having worked and learned this stuff for so long that we all can fall off the bandwagon or think that we're better than some of these disciplines and practices or think that we'll be right without them for a little while. Um, It's been a really healthy reminder for me to make sure that these become lifelong practices. Um, Any comment there?
1: Yes, I want to point out how interesting it is that you hit a wall once you stopped. Mm. So it's really important to be aware of that because sometimes we think we're invincible because while we still keep going, we can keep going. But often when you finally take that family holiday, you have that break, you end up physically sick and in bed the whole time, or you end up, you know, mentally unwell, you know, not feeling happy and you know, feeling not yourself. And so those things are highly likely if you're not aware that you're working too hard. So it comes back to having enough balance, no matter how excited you are about what you're doing, like a startup, it can be very exciting, but you still need to keep those parameters where you have that balanced. Um, And you need to work out what comfortably works for you. Just because you're getting away with it doesn't mean that it's good for you. And some people listening to this may not be able to recognise it in themselves, but they may be able to recognise it in a loved one. And I would highly recommend that you intervene. You might not get the response that you're looking for. Don't do it for that. Do it because you know that it's in their best interest. Don't nag. (laughs) Just gently, you know, introduce the concept. Um, And for me, when my husband was burning out after working for a business as a CEO, he'd been in business for 21 years, um, he was traveling all the time, you know, on red eyes, on long distance flights, and just was working all the time. And I could see him changing. So it wasn't that he was working all the time, I could see him changing. And he was usually such a bright, happy person, but I could see his energy really being drained for, me, for him. And I just gently said to him, I'd much rather you healthy than earning that money, you know, because I know that's what kept him going. And so a gentle comment like that from somebody might be helpful. And he did it in his own time. It was months and months later that he left that job, you know, probably a year actually. But I planted the seed gently to see that shift. And I think it's important that we do that as loved ones.
0: That's so important. I'd love to ask you the question what can someone do if they see their loved one not on their A game I'll always be grateful for Jane in October she called me on the fact that I was less patient less tolerant um more moody than I had been um and that you know that the pressures of the farm and the business had all caught up with me she called me on that and we had some really um open and full conversation and she said disappear go away go and spend two weeks three weeks a month go live somewhere else re-energize get well um and then come back and that's a massive thing for someone to say um it was hard at the time but you know i always do trust that jane knows me better than anyone and um it was really brave of her to say that but um i've arrived home back on my A game and way better than where I was. And it's really interesting to look back now on where I arrived to and realise just how far down that sort of that hole of busyness and burnout I'd gone. Um, Just find it so interesting. And so what would your comment be to someone who is concerned for a loved one and what they might do? How might they start that conversation and turn up for them?
1: One of the things I would recommend is, if you haven't watched it already, is to refer back to Podcast 72 on burnout, because in that one, I go through the stages of burnout. And I think that if you can listen to that as the loved one of somebody experiencing some of those symptoms you will realise that it's not their fault because the thing that can happen is if someone starts to become irritable, we can just snap back at them because we're frustrated with them being in a bad mood. But if somebody had been diagnosed with a physical injury, you would have more empathy and understand that they, you know, are in pain or whatever it may be. And so that awareness for you will help you see it differently and realise that they need help. And so then I would recommend getting them to listen to it if you can, Um, or you might just take away some key points that you can share with them and say, I didn't realise that, you know, you're potentially in stage three burnout because you're experiencing this and this. Um, And then there are, we've got lots of tools that you can start to apply and we teach it on that podcast about depending on what level you're at, where you should start. Most of it is self-management, but if you're in stage Four or five, you're definitely going to be reaching out for medical help. Um, But ultimately, I think the important thing about being the person who's going to point it out is to come from a place of compassion and not trying to fix somebody. You can't do it. Don't take that on. You can't fix somebody. But how you feel is going to be very powerful as well. So you might find that it's draining your energy. So sometimes we become the carer of someone who's experiencing burnout. You might not have ever thought of it like that, but that's what I observe all the time. Um, And so you're the one that's always trying to lift someone up and help them feel better. And so if you're finding that that's starting to drain you, then you need to take on board what we're talking about today so that you have that morning routine or something that can get you feeling really good, taking good care of yourself And also you might want to have a discussion with your partner about something that each person would respect when either of you need time out from the conversation. Um, If you've ever tried to talk to somebody who's intoxicated, you're wasting your time quite often (laughs) because you're not going to get through. It's very similar if you're talking to somebody who is in a high level of burnout you're not going to get through. They can't understand what you're saying because they're so far from you because of what's going on with them physiologically. So if you could like create something that doesn't feel like you're being rude, where in a good moment, you sit down and say, look, when you're really heightened and feeling really stressed, and we start to argue, can we just call time out without either of us resenting each other for that? So we can just take a break from it And when we both feel a bit better, then we can start to communicate about it. I've even had couples where sometimes it's so difficult to bring up the conversation with someone that they've had to write it down Um, because sometimes there are just things that we've got used to not saying because we realise it's a trigger for the other person. And so we just fear their response and we don't want to deal with the drama of it. So we just stop saying it, but it needs to be said. So sometimes writing it down, and what I say is, at the top of the email or the letter you say, sit on this for three days before we talk about it because our initial reaction is our knee-jerk reaction and it's often not our best reaction. And so it's a great way to open up communication that's really important for the longevity of your health but also your relationship.
0: Can we over-rely on our significant other? And you mentioned the inconvenience of being somewhat isolated away from friends and away from um, professional support and others. Can we over rely on each other as farming families or husband and wife teams?
1: Well, I think that it can be our dumping ground. So we love the fact that we have this significant other that we can tell everything to. Um, But we do need to be aware that if we're always telling everything to them, that it might be very heavy for them as well. But we don't want to not have an outlet. So Ultimately, the long-term goal, if I think about from people-pleaser to soul-pleaser, which is obviously what I do, is people go from needing other people to being self-reliant. That's really what happens in that shift. So some people do need more work on that. Um, We can talk about all of this at the conscious level, which is what we're doing when we have a conversation, and some people will be able to just take this on board. But some people will say, I get that, but I keep behaving the same way. Why do I keep playing out these same patterns. I have the same triggers, make me react the same way. And that's because of things that you grew up believing that are more at the subconscious level. So I would really recommend people doing more work on that um, so that they can release some of those things. And you will find that your relationship will improve because you'll have two independent people who don't need each other, but love each other. And there's a big difference.
0: Perfect, Tracy. Thank you. Can I ask you to speak about the Calmness Code Challenge, your book, and People Pleaser to Soul Pleaser, your program? I'm just keen for people to understand the um, ways in which they can go further with this and um, even mental health and our relationship with them. Because I think for those people you mentioned, maybe in stage four or five of burnout, um, getting that professional support can be part of the solution
1: yeah absolutely well the calmness code challenge is a seven-day process so there are seven 10-minute videos Um, And they're in a sequence for a reason. And it's a really good starting point if you would like to be calmer. Um, And you can choose when to do it, but you would start on day one and listen to a, a video each day so that it's seven days consecutive, because you're likely to see a change if you apply what you learn in each video over that period of time. So you can access that by reaching out to me and you can find me on my website. Um, My book came about because I've been taking people through the program from people pleaser to soul pleaser since 2017 and their results have been breathtaking. I just had no idea that it would change every aspect of people's lives. So people um, are much happier. They know who they are, what their purpose is, their relationships are better, um, and they have more abundance and business is more successful because that's the flow on of those things. Um, And you can connect with me. There is a link where you can learn about the program and then you can book in a call with me. But the book came about because when I saw those results, I thought I'd really like to make this accessible for people who would never do a course because not everybody is a course doer. Um, and so my book is available on Amazon. And for those of you who don't like to read, it's also available as an audio book. And uh, I narrate the video um, myself because people ask for that. So I have heard that people find that very calming listening to me narrate it. So um, you could give that a go as well.
0: Can they find that on your website? That we'll share as well, Tracy.
1: Yes, yes. So all of those things. There's a book page on my website, and if you go to the book, then you'll have the link um, to both the audio books and the physical book and the ebook for people who like that. And then Mantle Health, um, I connected with the owner of Mantle Health when we were at one of our um, retreats for the Farm Owners Academy Platinum Mastermind members and connected really well, like we're really on the same page with what we teach um, and he is a psychologist and he has a group of psychologists who can work with you online, um, so perfect for our community where it's very difficult to be able to get to see someone face-to-face. We do a lot of our work via Zoom or phone and people will, you know, really say that it's as, as effective as being in the same room and just much more convenient. Um, so for those people who feel like they need consistent one-on-one work, that is the pathway that I would
0: recommend. And we'll share those details as well in the introduction to this podcast. Thank you for speaking to those, Tracy. And all of those programs that Tracy leads um, that we've spoken about just complement the mindset and well-being training that we deliver and provide to our FOA members. Tracy, is that fair?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, what we're going to do this year is we're going to tweak the induction of our new Platinum Mastermind members because what I've really identified is how well they do in the program depends on how well they are when they come in. And so we want to expand our wellness assessment of them and really identify which stage of burnout they're in because we're always in one. So stage one is honeymoon. So that's when we're happy most of the time. Um, And so we just want to make sure we know where they are. And we're going to introduce the Calmness Code Challenge into the Platinum Mastermind program for those people who are two plus in the burnout stages so that they can start to get that calmness right from the beginning of the program. And Conversations with Tracy every month allows people to ask me questions. And so I'm always lifting up our community in terms of their well-being. And I do SOS calls with them as well and speak at our deep dives. So I love being able to teach that to everybody.
0: And for those in our broader community, I can't recommend the burnout podcast that we did. Did you say it was 72, Tracy, wasn't it? 72, yeah. 72. Just encourage you to go and make that your starting point and do that self-assessment just so that you can make the invisible visible and get a real read on where you're at if you're feeling fatigue or burnout right now. Tracy, you mentioned a few examples before. I spoke to a Victorian farmer who reached out to me last week who's in his early 60s and having been self-reliant and achieved so much in his career as a farmer with his family and they'd built up a really significant and successful business, the floods of this year really hit him hard Um, and a significant um, loss this year that, you know it's the first time he's had to really consider that um his view of our reality and our industry at the moment um was a little bit alarming for him and he was just questioning whether it was his own mindset and his doubts that were arriving him to the view of the future or whether he could rely on what he his wisdom and back his instinct on what's coming but he spoke about continued inflated prices for fertilizer, chemical and inputs to the farm. So his cost base was going to increase. He talked about inflation rates. Um, He talked about continued supply issues um, and costs of production. And he talked about softening commodity prices. And I think these are things that as farmers and farm business owners that we're all very aware of um, and concerned about, perhaps, about what might play out for us over the next few years. I think... The next few years in agriculture, for all of those reasons, could be very different to what we've had. Um, What would be your view on how people can consider what's ahead of them and some of those perhaps concerning agri-economic changes and consider their direction, their plan, their future from a place of sort of calmness, composure and quiet determination, I guess, How can people see what's coming and and, and stay composed as they consider those things?
1: I remember years ago when my son was just a baby, I went away to Byron Bay to a meditation retreat. And at that retreat, it was run by a guy who I really looked up to. He'd written books and he really had mastered calmness, which is why he was running this meditation retreat And he sent out an email, a a newsletter, and well before the GFC, he was recommending that everybody sells their investment properties. And at the time, I went to my husband, I said, I really trust this guy, like I'd really like to sell this one particular property. The others were positively geared and they were fine. He was like, no, 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 what a load of rubbish. Anyway, Guru was correct. And I really believe he was correct because he was so calm. And I think that we have access to knowledge when we are calm. We might be picking up the phone to the person who has the answer or we might read the newspaper just at the right time to receive what we need. But I honestly have experienced this personally so much and through the clients that I work with that if you are going to, there is a solution to every problem. There is always a solution, but you can't access it when you're in the fight or flight response. And so this is your priority. If you're scared right now, the first thing I would do is whatever you can do to stop being scared so that you can relax and become calm and take calm action. It's the most important thing to do.
0: It's a great piece of advice. And for those of you that are considering what's ahead of us and those sort of fundamental changes that as farmers we need to consider. I just think the best place to start, exactly as Tracy has described, is with ourselves and with our state of mind and our calmness and our composure as we then work through asking strong questions and making meaningful decisions around them. Thank you so much for that comment, Tracy. You're welcome. So, have you got one more tip for us on being well and and this important piece in personal well being?
1: Yes, I would say that the reason I feel so well and the best I've ever felt is because my priority is to feel good. And so that's the reason that I do everything is so that I could feel good. And if you think about any goal that you have, you know, let's say it's to double your profits in your farm. It's because of how you'll feel when you double your profits. And so I just cut out the middleman and go, I just want to feel good. And the side effect of feeling good is I get so much inspiration and I attract opportunities and I'm in the right place at the right time. And I think if you could shift your priority from achievement to feeling good, you will achieve more than you ever have and it will be easier.
0: Would you mind just saying that again, just for our listeners, that last piece?
1: So if you choose to do something because it feels good rather than for the achievement, you will achieve more than you ever have and it will be easier.
0: Perfect. Wonderful place to finish. Tracy. we are so excited to have you um, now focusing intently on all of our well-being as an FOA community. And um, I look forward to more and more of these podcasts where we can share these incredible tips and insights with our broader community. Thank you, as always and um, for your time. Thanks, Jeremy. And so there you have it. Tracy truly is just an amazing human and just so incredible in the way that she considers important issues for us, like overthinking, like burnout, and our own personal well-being As we roll into this new season and for all the changes that are coming toward us, um, as we spoke about, I just want to encourage each of you to do what you need to do to put yourself first. If you need to get off farm just for a little while um, so that you can change your environment to reset, just make that a priority. Um, look at the one or two changes you might make to your diet, to your um, movement, exercise, to your well-being from a mindfulness perspective. Look at how you can be slightly more social, more fun, at least just for a little while. But importantly, look how you can introduce these as new disciplines and new practices that can stay with you even in the busy times. I made the mistake 14 months ago of putting the farm first um, and letting go of some of those disciplines. Um, And I didn't expect feeling the fatigue and burnout that I felt last October. Um, I want to encourage all of you that are feeling any sense of, Um, fatigue or that your energy levels aren't where they need to be, that you just stop and take that time to get calm and reflect on what are the two or three small changes you can make so that you're energized for your farm and for your family and your team going into this new season. I hope you found that helpful and um, look forward to connecting again in a few weeks' time. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Profitable Farmer podcast by Farm Owners Academy. If you're new to this show, be sure to follow us. If you've been a long time listener, let your friends know about us or come continue the conversation in the Profitable Farmer Facebook group. All the best as you grow your business and create your freedom farm. Until next time, keep being incredible.